Welcome to the George Lynch Hunting Podcast, brought to you by Legendary Gear, the game called Company that is legend by design. Well, folks, uh, again, I'm here this weekend, and this podcast is a special podcast to me. One of the gentlemen I think is probably the premier outstanding outfitters in the country. And, uh, and we're talking waterfowl, big game, and turkey. And, I mean, this guy can do it all. This guy has done it all. He is probably one of those guys you would look at as... Uh, He's a survivor. If he was on an island and, and you gave him nothing, this guy would probably be building, uh, taking sticks and stones and making decoys and killing seagulls and 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 everything like that. He is a, uh, you know, he doesn't depend on on the on the last and greatest gadgets. You know, this guy is a a true. Uh, he knows his animals. He knows his quarry and and. Uh, I'm excited to talk about a waterfowl this weekend with him and today. And folks, I welcome Andy Parker from Utah. Andy, welcome. Thanks, George. I appreciate you having me back on, man. The last one was was super fun, and I I kind of enjoy listening to podcasts and uh, being on one is a, is a privilege. I appreciate you inviting me to come do this. Absolutely, man. Well, it's a pleasure to have you on, and Andy, it's just. Uh, you know, from my first days of going out to Utah, I mean, I'll never forget years ago, I was blessed to become friends with a man named Ray Brand. And, and Ray started out, he got a few calls from me, and then he would call and we'd talk, and, you know, those conversations ended up coming. Each conversation would be longer and longer, and invited me to go out there, and I went out there and hunted and, and, uh, a year, one year with him, stayed with him, and, of course, then got to be real close with his dad. and. And his whole family, and they're just first-class people. And that was where they always talked about was, Parker, you got to go with Andy Parker. Parker is that guy can call swans. He can call a goose from the Walmart parking lot. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know about that, but... Yeah. No, they were they were highly. And then when I got to know you, you know, and I'll never forget uh, as you and I and Pat and and Ray, you took me into my first experience uh, in some great big water um, uh, man made water deal. I think you're. Um, I'm one of those word I'm looking for. Reservoir. Um, we had to cross. We took a little boat in. Had to cross a couple of those little bar bridges and we and all of a sudden we got in that backwater and oh my goodness you were laughing there must have been thirty thousand ducks but i mean there was just ducks all over the place and i that was the time that i really got to realize that what a state that uh, utah is for duck hunting you know not very good you know not the best for canada goose but it was truly tremendous your your duck numbers and your duck hunting and yeah. uh you know, that was a, such an opportunity, and I think that's when our friendship first bonded, got to know each other, and then from then on, you and I spent quite a few phone conversations, and you were always talking to me about you had the style. You know, I don't I don't blow all that uh, all that stuff at the geese that you guys do, and nothing wrong with that, he says, but, you know, out here, and this is what I have success with, and that really, and all of us, you know, to, you know, 
we should be utilizing or what we use is what we have success in, not something that we hear on, on social media and YouTube or whatever, you know, this is how you're supposed to call it. These are different goose notes. And I mean, it might be goose notes, goose geese do when they're sitting on a refuge or walk around. And But, uh, you know, day in and day out, you know, these are the notes that you're using. Um, this is the rhythm. This is the that tone that I'm, you know, achieving. And I remember that you were trying to design your own set of guts and and uh, it kind of remind me a little bit of, of your style is using the old night and hail uh um not not the double it was a double clock plus i think it was yeah it was yeah it was and, back in the day and that was a different style as a kind of a breathe you're breathing it you know you know had that uh that different sound and really, it was uh, very goosey, but you, that was kind of what you were emulating, but into a tone that you were looking for your own tone. And um, it was, you know, something that was very successful for you. You worked super hard, I know, on trying to achieve a set of guts, just one set of guts. And, uh, oh, it's brutal. It's brutal. And it was, Thank God I had a machinist buddy of mine that had a CNC machine that he could run some different kinds of plastics because the tone troughs were just too long. Um, I had to shorten the tone trough. I had to adjust the angles. I had to make a totally different wedge. And then the reeds ended up morphing. The design of the reeds ended up morphing itself, just getting the front right and then getting the back right. And then getting that wedge to be the right, oh, how would I say it? But just the right thickness or length. The right angle. So that both, so yeah. that both nodes turned out. It was a, it was a hell of a project, but uh, at the end of the day, I came out with something that was very unique, and um, I just kind of kept it to myself, just because I was I was running so many hunts, and people that hunt geese out here in Utah know that that we're a very duck friendly state, but a very goose poor state. So obviously, everybody that wants to go goose hunting, um, or everybody that wants to be the man, is chasing geese. Right, and so we've got a small number of geese that get hunted really hard, and and uh, this was by necessity to have something completely different. Um, so yeah, that was that's how I came up with this. You know, it it, it, it might be something different in in the call um, arsenal of uh, you know type of calls that the majority of guys are using, but it, it's not different in in the realism of a of a goose out in the field. And I think no, that's. No, but I think if you if you spend any length of time listening to geese, and and obviously I'm I'm blessed to be part of something that's extraordinary, and we have a lot of geese that are resident local geese and. And I've listened to geese all the time. And if you listen to them for very long, they do make a lot of these notes repetitively. Uh, they're not anything that a goose uses for. They're just basically everyday communication, I think. And uh, that's why they work so well. Absolutely. Um, and the duck numbers. I mean, we had some ducks. Um, I mean, here i mean but it's nothing like what you guys out got out there and it, it's just i mean i got to hunt with ray we went to uh oh i had to leave a, an elk hunt that i was doing out there which was tough to go to go uh, guide um some guys some young gentlemen uh some young kids that uh, for the opening day of youth duck hunting and i just 
you know, for, first of all, there was a ton of people for the youth duck hunt, and I could see why we were hunting a public area. But oh my goodness, the amount of those kids shot ducks, and you know they were missing ducks, but they had opportunity that I've never seen. Now, do you, when it comes to duck calling, do you kind of have your own design or own thing that you do again, or is just basically you use a mallard call? I actually, um, you sent me one of your new calls, and I caught a run it the other day, and that'll be a great story to tell. Uh, I want to jump into that, a, you know, a little bit later when we're talking about ducks. But the first thing I kind of wanted to talk to, you know, the listeners about was this thing we call buttons that we we talked about several months ago when we did our first podcast. Oh, absolutely, we yeah. A button that you could push uh, with the with the sound that will change an animal's mind or lure them close to you. And, and, I, and I've spent the whole season, because we did that, I think we did that this summer, well before the season started, and I, I really paid attention this year uh, to what buttons, instead of being in this robot guide mode uh, after 40 years, I was I really focused in on, on these noises. And I think a couple of things that stood out to me one, when you make a noise at an animal, you're advertising your location, so you're super vulnerable to wrong noises, <laughs> if that makes any sense to you. And the oh, second absolutely. Thing, the second thing was you cannot buy this. You can buy the nicest call on the planet. You can make your own whatever, but... You can't go out, just buy the latest and greatest stuff, throw it out in the field, and find success. Calling success comes from from discipline, knowing your call, knowing how to make the right noises, and then the experience is what's huge. When, what noise to make at what time, what should I not do, which is when we get to turkey hunting, um, I think turkey hunters are... You know, you, you've learned via these silly mistakes that you make along the road, and I don't think you ever get them all mastered, but I think waterfowl is the same way. Um, don't do this in this situation, and uh, I think that's why I like calling so much, because you kind of touched on my experience. You know, I was a I was a young father, and, a, and I was already guiding. I already had my own business when I met my wife, and, and you know, you're, you're, you're just never set. So I never had the latest and greatest stuff. I just couldn't afford it. So I just I just made do with whatever, and, and the calling seemed to set me apart from, from other hunters that I had to deal with on public land. Uh, that's awesome. I think that was the word I was looking for. Either you're, I would call you the MacGyver of, of, of the waterfowl hunting, of uh, <laughs> the creativity that you have, and, and, and you know, not... Uh, using the top shelf it isn't the top shelf to you that that it gives you success you know or what you're looking for you're looking for something that will work but realism is in the same token but um i like that it, you know we were all started that way andy i mean we all had families we all had kids and back then you know it, with the money we were just scraping to make money and pay bills and try to put a little bit in the bank and 
and then but you know to go out and and today i can't imagine i feel really it's tough for these young kids today starting out you know i shot an 870 shotguns for so many years and never looked at that shotgun as any hindrance uh anything that uh, you know man if i had a benelli i could put more birds down never ever thought of that but you look at today and you know the peer pressure and and the advertisement so much of you know you look and, and man you got to have an $1,800 shotgun, you got decoys that are, you know, four, 450 a dozen. Then uh, then you're looking at uh, layout blinds, you know, from three to $400 and and A-frame blinds that it could go to four to five to $600. And you're looking at a kid now, a young kid, and uh, I don't know how some of these kids drive around with these new trucks and, and a, uh, you know, $10,000 trailer and and uh, $10,000 of the stuff inside, I, I mean, that wasn't us. There's no, no way. Absolutely not. Yeah. And uh, that's what I think you can set yourself apart on a budget uh, and be an outstanding waterfowl guy if you're paying attention to the little details and you're focusing in on, on things that you can change by just being astute on your calling. I, I think it's just such a weapon to have um, that a lot of folks don't. And, I, you know, I just, I just, that was the weapon that I had, George, on this, on these huge expanses of public land out here with all these birds and all this pressure. Uh, you have to set yourself apart. And, and it wasn't going to be me having the latest and greatest stuff because everybody's got it. I mean, how do you compete? Exactly. Exactly. I was having a podcast yesterday talking, um, you know, we started out and uh, this, I know this guy for 35 years and now he's probably running one of the top uh, Midwest outfittings in Oklahoma and, you know, the amount of geese that they kill and stuff. And we we're talking about, you know, when we first started and the shells and, man, when Bigfoots first came along, we thought we died and went to heaven. Never, you know, wow, look at these full bodies we got. And, and we never talked about flocking or worried about, you know, uh, the reflected in, in, in all this stuff. And of course, there wasn't any study. And today, there's really no study that flocking. That's another thing. I'll get on that. Just a quick subject. But, you know, today that we think everything has to be flocking and the UV and, and all this stuff. I've done a whole study myself because I'm educated in that background. And, I, and I've worked with equipment that will measure that. But today... Um, you know, we got companies, we got people stating that, you know, it's got to be flocking. And one of the things, you know, quality control was a really big thing. I worked a lot in manufacturing, uh, as, well, as well as running the manufacturing. But how do you know, you know, how do you measure that you're successful? How do you, you know, can you, are you measuring it? But how do you know that flocking works? Because some company, decoy company, who wanted to do something different, you know, said, hey, let's do this. And, and really, don't look bad with the eye. And we're just going to tell people it does work better. And if you tell them enough, they'll believe it. And that's kind of, yes. you know, and, and in all honesty, you know, a real duck or a real goose, even a what you mean turkey, you'll see that there's oil and stuff in these feathers. But you take a sunny day and, and you see a turkey out in the out in the field. I mean, a turkey, and, and especially midday high sun, he looked like he's wet because of all that, that, that glare and glosses that he, he will, re, re, you know, that is uh, what he's showing and, and, and reflecting. And, um you know, where you take flocking, when, sun, when the sun hits flocking, flocking doesn't reflect it, it absorbs it. 
So it just totally, and that gives it a totally different look. And I yeah. believe, and I believe the birds picked that up. Uh, and that could be why my 1985 set of garbage decoys that I still use today is just every bit as effective as the guys that I go hunt with that got the latest and greatest stuff. I agree with you, man. And, and Ray just rides me like a mule. He goes, dude, I can't even hunt with you. With <laughs> Look at those decoys. Don't even have, half of them don't have ads that work on them. <laughs> <laughs> and the birds just backing right in. You know, I'm not going to buy something that I don't need. No. It's just a minimalist. It's- I'd like to take a brief pause to give a shout out to our sponsors. Apex Ammo, Domain Outdoor, G5 Broadheads, Killing Sticks. Lacrosse Footwear, Prime Archery, Rite. Speaking of 870 shotguns, I worked at this really fancy club, and I still got this 870 I've been shooting for 30 years, and it's rusty, and the wood's faded, and it's got duct tape on the stock. And uh, I still shoot it. It's an eyesore, but uh, it's kind of comical anyway. And, you know, at this point, and it's just, you're proving a point that, hey, I mean, it works. Um, and that's, that's a different mindset, you know, like you said, as time went on and, you know, you're looking at the price of things today and anyway, that, that could be another podcast, but you know, let's get back. I want to get back to the goose because I do love this rhythm that you're doing. And, okay. um, you want to start with Canada's then? Yeah, let's start with a Canada because we started talking about your, you know, the guts you, you kind of worked on and you, and you did this thing. And But um, if you can run some sequences that you use at the geese, and so our listeners can listen to this and they can hear why, you know, you were so adamant and why you worked so hard and so determined to try to to, to make your own your own thing. And, yeah, uh, I, um, I kind of want to just go through at least my stage of experience when when i started goose hunting you know we had the little i don't even know what they were they were garbage but i remember the year we discovered the the big river fluke call and uh man that was a game changer and then you know the geese started flaring off those uh in my just in my experience and then you know i started hunting with some guys that were blowing some double clock calls and they were good on them and i was like ooh. Ooh, this is this is definitely a game changer. So I, I went that route, and then when the short read calls came out, the the noise was just so pure and nice. And I'm like, can I get a front end that has those tonal qualities, but still have the cadence of of this double clock call that I was blowing? And it was modified and tuned, and I had tweaked it and. Um, so that's the, that's kind of how I came up with this, and I've been blowing it for so long. I, I honestly I cannot even blow a short read. I, I I blow the front end notes, and then there's nothing coming out the back, and it's it it just throws me off. So it's kind of comical. But um, the problem with this call is is it doesn't hail really well. So if I've got some guys, I had a couple of guys. Ray is a wonderful caller. Um, Pat was very very good. Um, you know having guys on short reads that are hunting with you and then a lot of times they just put their calls down when we got birds you know kind of actually visually seeing the set um because this call turns the birds over the blind as good as anything i've seen um it just the ability to turn these birds from left to right to straight over the top of you uh is i think why i had so much success so anyway i'll start kind of with 
what I use on the corners, which is this kind of a, it's, it's a soft, uh, kind of double clucky sound. And then, um, you can get a little more aggressive with it. And then I got some tricks with singles and bigger flocks, but I use, I'll start with, uh, these little corner sequences that I use. So that's kind of my corner routine. Um, the cadence varies. If I want to get a little more excited, I really want to turn sharp. I'll, I'll get after it a little bit more. Um, and I'll do a bunch of sequences and I'll kind of, we'll talk. that I can make um, obviously without having some geese coming in it, it, it's kind of just a bunch of noise yeah, <laughs> yeah. but uh, you do have the like that kind of the short end call or the short read call up front um, yes it's it's actually one of your calls I, I copied the front end of it tone trough all the angles uh, and then the back end was just just getting that measurement right so they both worked at the same time was a real was a real tricky one um i was watching some geese about three years ago there was there was four birds that were coming over us and they were just this one bird was just pop, pop, it was really high and then one of the birds was moaning in between and i was like man that that was kind of a cool little you know that was a cool little sequence and i started using that four years ago and I'll tell you what, that high-pitched piping, and I'll do it now, uh, mixed with a couple of moans, has really changed uh, some of my late-season stuff. And I'll, I'll work that right now. Um, that one works on singles, like nobody's business. Those things will just lock up. And obviously singles are, can be really stupid, but they can also be super smart if they've been broken out of their flock and they've shot at a few times. Right. Um, that one works really well for singles. So that's kind of, um, obviously there's a few mistakes in there, but, um, you know, I think you can make a few mistakes here and there. It doesn't really, it's not a game changer, but I think the cadence is what's important. Um, with that call, that, that, oh, 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 oh. that, that noise seems to turn the birds when you want them, which is super important. I mean, anybody can get birds interested in decoys and they fly over it, but can you turn them on that last pass and they fly right over everybody? That's the key, I think. Oh, definitely key. And, and timing as well, you know, the cadence and timing. That is when it comes to hunting, to me, uh, hunting, whether it's pressure birds, even easy birds, you know, easy birds, it's, it's you know, you're going to do the same thing, but just more or less of it. Um, yeah. It just, and I, uh, I don't think we have easy birds out here. Um, they just get hunted to death. It's so, it's almost comical how many folks are out on. So, uh, so I'll go into a little background about kind of my hunting experience as a guide. So I would obviously have an, a fairly easy time with the ducks and the swans. And then right around about night, right, you know, right when we started freezing out heavy, I started switching, switching gears to just geese. Uh, 
obviously we kill a lot of mallards when we're down in those river bottoms too while we're hunting geese so they were the hunts were geared towards goose hunters and i was doing these goose hunts you know five six days a week and there's just no time one there's no time to scout when you're out all day and two um there's just not enough x's (laughs) so i learned very quickly that i had to do something completely different if i was going to guide five six days a week and be successful at all um i was going to have to run traffic and i was going to have to get real good at running traffic so i figured out waterways travel patterns of birds um and i set up a certain set mostly on ice sometimes on the river um but i always wanted to look like a group of geese that were we call them a bank out here. I don't know what you guys call them out here. Where the geese, like if you watched your geese that were coming into a field and you went and they were sitting on a lake or whatever, or on some ice or on a river and they were coming to your field, I'm trying to duplicate a bank, a place where they're coming from. A roost? Like a roost? Yeah, a roost. People call them roosts. We call them a bank. Sometimes sometimes geese will go from, from open water to a place what i call a staging area a place another place with no visible food like they'll sit on some ice down in the river bottoms or a frozen pond somewhere and then they'll go to feed so there's it's an inner sometimes it's an intermediate stop um but i learned how to find those places and then i just through trial and error um get my butt kicked with clients (laughs) uh, i found a lot of these places and they're still good well, folks, that's going to end our first segment of Know Your Button with Andy Parker. This week was all about duck calling. And, folks, go to LegendaryGearUSA.com to check out those great duck and goose calls that we use. And, folks, I also would like to take a moment and shout out to Dan Young as we appreciate all that he does for the Outdoor Call Radio. And if you appreciate this great hunting or fishing content all week long, consider subscribing to the Outdoor Call Radio app. It is entirely free. And remember, go to the George Lynch Hunting Podcast, hit like and subscribe to that, and always remember, hunt safe, hunt smart, and may the good Lord be your guide. Well, I'll be out there, rain is shining, all a part of the great design. Bring it on, I can never get enough, because that's what legends are made of.